Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader, the team. Clock. Thanks for joining us, Jim and Cake, today from the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios, the most trusted name in automobiles. It is a one about a Wednesday with Talon Wine, but we're also celebrating today, celebrating Todd Helton going into the Baseball Hall of Fame. And I, I touched on this very briefly at the end of last hour mm-hmm. of the. Of it, it wasn't. It didn't end up being quite the clear the bar. Without any doubt, and no doubter for Todd Helton, the way the way a, a lot of people thought it was going to be. It's kind of interesting to to see for Todd Helton that he wound it, his jump wound up seven point five percentage points. Only Gaylord Perry added fewer votes than Helton in the year that he got elected. Perry was plus twenty two. Helton was plus twenty six. And so 4.7 percentage points he made up uh, was the third smallest ever by the group. In fact, before Helton, the only members of that club, of the margin that he got in, that um, who didn't wind up at 80% or higher were Gaylord Perry, 77.2%, and Gary Carter at 78. Hmm. Perry was the closest call, clearing the 75% by just nine votes. So Todd got over the threshold, but it ended up being a little more, a little, a little closer for comfort than I think a lot of people thought it was going to be for Todd Helton. You know and what, though? He still got in. He got in. That's all that matters. And over the past 50 elections, 12 previous players had gone into a Hall of Fame election after attracting approximately 72% of the vote or more the year before. Jim Bunning who actually lost votes the year that, that the next year. And so Helton, with the, the, the numbers were not, they declined a little bit this year, but good enough to get him into the Hall of Fame. And that's the thing that matters the most, is that he will go in July 21st into the Baseball Hall of Fame. All right, so some memories of Todd Helton. We celebrate Todd Helton becoming the second Rocky to go to the Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown, New York. You can text or call us today on the team line, 970-242-1340. The Jim Davis Show. I'm Jim. Cake in uh, this week uh, with uh, Buckeye Boy on vacation. Now, I'm trying to... Did he go Did he go to Vegas? Is that where he went? I don't remember. I don't remember where he went on vacation. I don't know. I didn't really ask. <laughs> I thought he said Vegas, but I could be dead wrong about that. I'll be honest, I... I don't personally remember what what he said he was doing. Because he usually goes to Vegas for when his uh, bowling team. Right, the bowling national, yeah. The half-ton of fun bowling team rolls into Las Vegas. I got a text. um, Entertaining Nuggets game last night, hiccups and all. Denver getting it done last night. Nicole Jokic with yet another triple-double. All right, 804 and uh, coming up, we'll talk with uh, Wendy Caldwell. She was a member of the 82 Fruit of Monument Girls State Championship basketball team. That team will be inducted into uh, 
the Wildcat Hall of Fame next Friday. So, and also Tom Reed, who will also go in to uh, the Wildcat Hall of Fame uh, All-State quarterback uh, back in the 70s for the Wildcats will join us coming up in the uh, 9 o'clock hour at 8.04. And uh, celebrating Todd Helton today, a favorite Todd Helton memory for you. What might that be? Maybe you had an interaction with him when he was here in Grand Junction playing for the, the G.J. Rockies on a on his rehab stint when he was in town uh, there toward the end of his career. All right, 8.04, time to go around the NFL. The latest on the Broncos and the league. It's around the NFL on the Jim Davis Show. All right, uh, thought we'd try to, we'll see if we can play this. Uh, it's uh, Larry Zimmer. This is what uh, Mike from uh, Scottsdale mentioned. Larry Zimmer, this is a uh, compilation of uh, the best of Larry Zimmer's calls of the Denver Broncos. Let's try this again. Always love it. Let me turn the volume off. Here we go. Hi, everybody. This is Larry Zimmer. And hello, everybody. Welcome to Arrowhead Stadium. This is Larry Zimmer. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the AFC Championship game matching the defending conference champion Buffalo Bills and the Denver Broncos. I'm Larry Zimmer. Here comes the blitz. He steps away from it and lets the pass go on. He's going for a touchdown. You're kidding me. Stand sharp makes a catch. Down and 10 play. Always got the ball. John is back. Runs up out of the pocket. Let's the pass go. It's caught. Johnson to the 40. 35. Six seconds to go, feeling it is outside of Elam's range. Elway's in the shotgun, steps up in the pocket, looking long. Here goes the pass. Rod Smith up. He got it! Broncos win! Elway's got the ball. To the end zone. Vince Johnson, touchdown! Well, I tell you, unbelievable. And another fantastic finish. The Denver Broncos are going to win this thing. Oh. 35 yards, the snap, the kick is on the way, he had it, the Broncos win, Denver 20, and the Kansas City Chiefs 17, an unbelievable game that had its peaks and valleys all over the place, and Denver walks off the field a winner. All right, there's the great Larry Zimmer with uh, some of his uh, biggest calls of his career as the play-by-play voice of the Denver Broncos. Great there, stuff. And appreciate uh, that courtesy of uh, the Broncos website, by the way, in 850 KOA. There was a little piece that Nine News did talking about the passing of Larry Simmer, and they interviewed Mark Johnson and Dave Logan. And I didn't know this, but when Dave took over his play-by-play, and this was about, I want to say, like 2002, maybe, uh, when they showed this clip, they brought Larry Zimmer back to do play-by-play for for a part of the game. And so you had Larry Zimmer in the broadcast booth, Scott Hastings on color, and Dave Logan was on the sideline as like a sideline reporter. That's great. It was it was a little it was a cool cool little moment there. So yeah, eight eighty eight and I guess his health was not great towards the end, but I know when when we had Mark Johnson on um last week before the passing of Larry, 
that he had been at the hospital uh, spending a lot of time with Larry, uh, sharing their faith. And, and, um, and so certainly, um, you know, Mark, uh, was, was, you know, around Zim a lot the last uh, few years, uh, spending time with him. And so that was, um, I, we appreciate that update on, on, on Larry Zimmer from, from Mark's standpoint last week, but of course, sadly losing Larry Zimmer over the weekend at the age of 88. All right. So some other, uh, Broncos news this morning. The uh, Mile High Report, the Broncos blog, they have the three trades the Broncos may consider this offseason. Three trades. Three trades. All right. What's the third one? The third one is involves a player that Denver has that they're going to deal. Is it Justin Simmons? Justin Simmons is not on this list. Is it anybody that has been recently named an all-pro <laughs> <laughs> that would uh, that would be a good place to go to, yes. Is it Pat Sertan? Patrick Sertan the second. They trade Sertan, get a first round pick possibly for one of the best corners in the league, still young. Number two. <laughs> well, it can't be Russell Wilson. <laughs> God knows. No one will or, take or him. Can, or can it be? Well... Uh, I'm going to say Jerry Judy. Right position, wrong guy. Corlin Sutton? Corlin Sutton. Okay. Uh, let's see. And then number one. Uh, you just said his name. Is it? Is it Pat Sertan? No. I, you already said Sertan's oh, is it third. Russell Wilson? This is where I love <laughs> blogs like this sometimes. <laughs> Who's going to take him? What, you're the London gonna, Silly Nannies? Yeah, you're just going to sit back and wait till they release him. Why, why would you trade for him if you're, unless you, unless somehow you get the Broncos to eat a lot of Russell Wilson's contract? Why would you trade for him? You're not going to get I, anything. I just, I just think that's, that's, that's fantasy that you're going to trade Russell Wilson. I get the reason why you would even broach the idea because you want to try to get something out of the whole ordeal, but that's part of the problem is that you're not going to get anything that you haven't already gotten out of Russell Wilson. I just think right now, and like I said, unless you get somebody to to take on a big chunk of that contract, you're 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 going to get some some decent picks coming back in that deal. Right now, if you're most people, most teams are just going to sit back and wait. And then once he gets released, you know, then you can, once he gets released and he becomes a free agent, you can sign him to a whatever deal you want. A one-year deal, maybe two years tops, you know, maybe, just maybe. But you're not going to get anything out of him. You're definitely not the threshold, right? The the absolute, absolute, probably bare minimum you could even I, I, I just barely consider now, would be like a fourth round pick. And even then, I think that's too high. I just don't know what you're... There are so many things that complicate trading him. So many. I, I, I just... The I, money I, probably being the biggest one. 
And so I just think that's that's a great that's a great dream. It's a pipe dream that hey you're going to trade him and get a first round pick for him. Am I going to get a first round pick for him? You'd be yeah. lucky. And this is what I was trying to say with maybe too many words. You'd be lucky if you got a fourth round pick for him at this rate. Two things to me. Two things happen here. They release him, or somehow. He sticks around some way. They, they, I think they by them saying that the door is still open. And I think Russ, even though his pride has been damaged, I think if they find a way to work out something where they can restructure his contract, where he still feels like he's not, he's not being totally you know, raked over the coals by them. Sean and, Payton and, and Russell Wilson go on a couple's retreat in Cabo to maybe, reconcile maybe. the differences. And I'm, I'm, and I'm not very confident that this is going to come together, but I did find it interesting at the, the season-ending presser where both George Payton and, and, and Sean Payton, they've made, they made comments that the door is still open and that they've had good conversations with Russ. But it's going to come down to Russ and his agent being willing to do some kind of restructuring, which goes in line with what they asked Russ to do and his agent yeah, with deferring the guaranteed the injury guarantee. And I don't know how willing they're going to be to do that. I don't know. I don't know how, how eager they're going to be after they, uh, you know, Russ has to feel like he's been shafted and absolutely been, and been embarrassed by, by this organization. For God's sakes, he got benched. How bad is he? His feelings have been hurt. I just don't know what the motivation there is for him. Like, why stay? I know he wanted to come to Denver. He's got a soft spot for Denver. But when when your pride has been damaged, particularly by a place that you wanted to go to, mm-hmm. you wanted to be in Denver. You waived the no trade clause to specifically say, I want to go to Denver. And now you feel like they've disrespected you, which they kind of have. Why am I? Why am I going to play ball with you? Release me, and I'll I'll go someplace else where they really want me. Because there will be teams that want him. I know. There, I know the people in Broncos country that don't like Russ. Like, ah, oh, he's garbage. And stop that. That's that's nonsense. There are plenty of teams that would want Russell Wilson if Denver releases him. Pittsburgh, good possibility. Atlanta, Atlanta's a Atlanta's a really strong possibility. I've heard pepperings of New England. Washington's a possibility. I mean, there's yeah. there. Washington's always a possibility. There, there, pl- there are plenty of teams that would like him. That would that would be perfectly thrilled to have the services of Russell Wilson. Like, not love, though. Yeah, but not willing to trade for, but willing to sign him for a one year. Absolutely, will, willing to to bring him in. Willing to sign him to a one-year, $8 million deal. Kind of like what, what the Bucks did with Baker Mayfield. That that worked out pretty darn nicely oh, God. for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Watch. Watch. Just watch. He'll, he'll go someplace else. and He'll, he'll, he'll sign get, a one-year deal. He'll with, get him to the playoffs, and he'll have a really good year. Watch it be like the Commanders. Yeah. Signs a one-year deal. They go like 10-7. and seven, They get into the playoffs. And Russ has like yeah. a resurgence. Yeah, I, I just, just... Just watch. Yeah, I, I just think that... Don't be surprised that that happens. But there does seem to be the very sliver, a glimmer of hope for those that still like Russell Wilson. And, and I'm among them. I still like Russ. I thought Russ had a very good season. Wasn't, wasn't great, but it was better than last year. 
there were some numbers that were great. Touchdown interception ratio, some of those things were were outstanding. I just know if you don't, what's your answer here? What's your better answer than him right now? Well, you know my answer. What? Wait, did draft Shadur Sanders? Tank and, sh- and draft Shadur Sanders. Is That's that really, my answer. Is that, really, is that really what you want? You really want him to tank. You really want him to tank. I don't know what I want them to do. No, I don't think I you d- know what you... I don't think you... Tinfoil hat boy, I don't think you know what you want. No, I don't. I don't, I don't do. disagree. Because, again, mm-hmm. it's like... Because where's... It's the it's the question of where is this team? They're, they were eight and nine. Middle of the road. They're, you can't say they're good because they had a losing record, but you can't say they're bad because they were they're, in they're the... They're better. They're better than they've been. Better than they've been, but where they've been was atrocious. But my, my feeling is this, number one, address the things that were the problem. The defense, even during that stretch where they were really great, they were a phenomenal force in turnovers during that five-game winning streak, the defense took major steps backwards. Went from a top-10 defense... To a outhouse basement defense this past season. Yes, they got better after the Miami game, but they were not they were they were not great even the rest of the way. And I am going to say this: I'm going to pinpoint that right directly on coaching because if you look at the numbers, and we talked about it a little while ago, Ejiro Evero was the best coach on that Nathaniel Hackett coaching staff. Had the Broncos as a top five defensive unit. He goes to Carolina. Carolina stunk out loud this year. That Carolina Panthers defense in a twist no one saw coming. What, third-ranked defense? Third-ranked defense in the NFL, yeah. and Ajiro Evero was the coach. Now, how about, how about number one, get Russ more playmakers. And number one, improve the defense, whether that means canning Vance Joseph or, or, or whatever the case may be. And it looks like the only good chance to lose Christian Parker, who would have been a nice upgrade replacement in-house yeah. as a Broncos DC. I, I just I just feel like fix the things that need to be fixed. Is Russ part of the problem? Way down the line, Russ is part of the problem. The other things, Russ didn't give up 70 to the Dolphins, people. Russ also it's, 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 they Russ didn't, also didn't go yapping his mouth to USA Today, so... They, they didn't run the ball consistently. That's a problem. That's another problem on the offensive side. Is that Russ's fault that they couldn't run the ball consistently? No. They had an offensive line that, with all the money that was spent, Ben Powers had a, a, a year where he took several steps backwards after being a all-pro caliber guard in, in, in Baltimore. And look what Baltimore did. They just plug and play, and they <laughs> yep. turned the AFC Championship game. Here we go. Uh, likewise, Niners move on. You know, at at tackle for Mike McGlinchey. Oh, uh, where are they playing this weekend? <laughs> what are they doing? What, what are the Niners doing this weekend? NFC oh, Championship. Oh, game. NFC Championship game. Yeah, and they they got there without Mike McGlinchey, and Baltimore got there without Ben Powers. So, and they spent a lot of money, eight gajillion dollars. It's an official dollar amount. That that's that's the with, number uh, on on both those guys. So yeah, an offensive line spent a lot of money on that didn't deliver. Your defense was hot garbage for a good chunk of the season. An embarrassing, almost historic embarrassment to the Dolphins. Yeah. And so this is all Russ's fault? Really? This is all Russ's. Russ is the reason why they 
They're not a playoff team. You sure about that? That's why we need to bench him so we can see what Jared Stidham can do. Oh, he's more the rhythm oh, guy. Cause... He's a rhythm guy. Well, whoop de doo The numbers were the, the same. The Blue Man Group is a rhythm guy. The numbers were the same in terms of yardage per game. And and Stidham doesn't give you the, the running that Russ does. Doesn't give you the running ability to, to make a play out of the pocket. And, and his wife isn't a multi-time Grammy-winning <laughs> pop singer. Okay, so. well, you, you can factor that in if you choose to do I so. I will. I will absolutely yeah. factor that in. All right. All right. So around the NFL, Jim and Kate today. It's one about a Wednesday with Talon Wine. Also looking for your text to, uh, to uh, I, I guess, celebrate the selection of Todd Elton to the Baseball Hall of Fame. Uh, a couple other things on around the NFL. Are we surprised Bill Belichick hasn't been hired yet? Not really. He's got a couple of interviews with the Falcons. And um, apparently in Atlanta that he would have to report to CEO Rich McKay. Apparently, uh, Bill's not real keen on that idea. I'm I'm sorry. Bill wants a lot of autonomy. I'm sorry. You're a CEO and your name is Rich. Rich McKay. Uh, Richard McKay. Oh, Richard. But it goes by Rich. Richer than Rich. It seems to be that the teams are going, hey, Bill, we, we acknowledge what you've done. You won six Super Bowls. You had a tremendous run. But we can't give you the kind of autonomy you're seeking. But you're also now in your 70s, and maybe the way you do things doesn't, doesn't work, work anymore. anymore. And maybe the way you evaluate talent and look at how things have gone, with, with the, the, particularly on the offensive side for the Patriots, that maybe other people need to be doing that job, not you. And, and... And just, he doesn't like that hearing that. And people? also, maybe just throwing this out there, I don't think they'd bring it up in interviews, but maybe you rode the coattails of Tom Brady for all this And that could be part of it, too. And one final thing, uh, Brian Callahan, who once upon a time interviewed for the Broncos head coaching job, oh. looks like uh, he's very close to becoming the Tennessee Titans' next head coach. Of course, he's been the OC for Joe Burrow and Coach Zach Taylor in Cincinnati. Good for him. All right. So, uh, yeah, one time... So he'll go there and he'll probably be great. And it'll be another, oh, we did like Kyle Shanahan. Why didn't we, why didn't we get that guy? Why didn't we draft Josh Allen? Why didn't we hire Kyle the, Shanahan? Why, did, why didn't we do this? Why didn't we do that? God, can you imagine if we had Kyle Shanahan and Josh Allen at the same time? Uh, be fantastic. Be fantastic. All right. Uh, joining us this morning is Angela Christensen with uh, District 51 Foundation, the white, the white Ice Celebration coming up. Angela, appreciate you coming in today. Thank you so much for having me. All right. So the White Ice Celebration for the uninitiated is a celebration of our educators here in the Valley. Exactly. Um, we're celebrating our White Ice Award recipients and also academic growth schools throughout School District 51. So about how many teachers, educators are, are honored through the White Ice Celebration? This year we'll honor nine teachers. Um, we had over 75 nominations and so it was really difficult for the nominating committee to then select those nine who will receive recognition at our event. So there's, uh, it's a fundraiser. There's also an auction that's part of this as well. Uh, kind of take us through some of those things that are going to be auctioned off and, uh, and just also to what, what the D51 Foundation actually does. Sure. The foundation raises funds for academic growth and achievement and promotes outreach to benefit kids and the community. And we're thrilled to host our 12th annual White Ice Celebration. We encourage our guests to wear cream, white, silver, and gold really anything that sparkles because all of them are actually part of the decor. 
And this year, we'll have a couple of exciting things. We have our live D51 band, again, made up of some school district employees, including the principal at Redlands Middle School, Scott Davis. And we'll also have a DJ. We have a 360 photo booth, appetizers, signature cocktails, and a silent auction that is fantastic. And so it honors the White Iced Award recipients, also the Outstanding Academic Growth Schools as well. And this will be at the, the Meyer Ballroom over at Colorado Mesa on uh, February 3rd. And so starts at 7 o'clock. So, Angela, how can people get tickets to uh, to celebrate these fine educators and, and also these uh, schools that will receive, of course, uh, uh, their, uh, their awards as well? Sure. You can get your tickets on our School District 51 Foundation website at d51foundation.org. And I'd really encourage people to go ahead and purchase their tickets now. Um, the early selection to get your tickets will close on Monday, this upcoming Monday. But you can still get tickets at the door for $75. But if you want to save a little bit, order them early. That's right. Get a, get ahead of the, the, the pack as far as getting your tickets. And once again, how do they go about getting their tickets? Just go to our website at d51foundation.org. All right. Appreciate the wonderful work D51 Foundation does uh, with our educators. Angela, I appreciate the time today. Thank you so much for having me. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk with Wendy Caldwell, member of the 82 Fruitland Monument Girls State Championship basketball team. That uh, Wildcat team will go into the Fruitland Monument Wildcat Hall of Fame next Friday. That's coming up next on the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network. We're going to be here a while. Would you like to talk? Talk to me! The Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader, the team. Talking through the Monument Wildcat Sports on the Jim Davis Show. Next Friday, the uh, Fruit of Monument uh, Wildcat Hall of Fame will induct the 82 Fruit of Monument State Championship Girls Basketball Team into the Hall of Fame. She was a member of that team back in 82. Wendy Caldwell joins us. Wendy, appreciate the time. Thanks for coming on for a few minutes this morning. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Uh, that team, uh, remarkable basketball team, went 17-1. and The only loss was to Aurora Hinkley. We, we talked with your coach, uh, Dallas Meyer, last week about uh, uh, that season. But uh, always great to hear from a player perspective back then where uh, there was that, uh, that stretch where you, Penny Yonker, and Kathy Holthus all got hurt in the same weekend at the end of January. And you're all on crutches, <laughs> sitting on the sidelines, but it showed the depth of that team, Wendy, because even though you and, and certainly uh, Kathy Holthus, uh, along with Lace Aldred, were, were the three big scores for the, for the Wildcats back in 82, that team didn't miss a beat. You, you missed a little bit of time, but, uh, uh, of course, you came back for the, the state tournament run. But uh, that showed how, how deep and how talented that team was with the three of you uh, on the bench for a stretch. Yeah, it really was. And I'll, I'll tell you what, we had a great group of women um, the couple of years before we took state that we looked up to. And, you know, we really had a good depth of um, athletes. Um, we actually started playing um, really early on in elementary school, um, and we wanted to join the Pee Wee Leagues. Um, and at that time, girls were not allowed to pay, play on the Pee Wee League, so we started our own girls team. And we ended up with our girls team, the Bulldogs, um, beaten all the boys teams that year so we just um we had always played together over the years and we're pretty comfortable with one another wendy caldwell member of the 82 fertile monument girls state championship basketball team with us and you know i, I mentioned this to dallas meyer uh your old coach that that's that was a period of time where your team won state the following year the wildcats won state again in 83 
that that girls basketball and then also 84 Grand Junction won a state championship with Max Kralichek, that that was kind of really the beginning of girls basketball really taking off mm-hmm. uh, here on, on the Western Slope. And even in the state of Colorado, that was uh, the, the, the state championship runs by those teams. The talent that was uh, on the floor at that period of time really uh, kind of started a, a kind of a golden age of girls uh, high school basketball here on the Western Slope. Yeah, I love that you said that because the first, um, my freshman and sophomore year, I really believe we could have even actually really competed at the um, state level. We just, I, I don't know that we had the belief that we could win against some of those Denver teams because we never really won over there. And I think after we started getting over there and competing and being in the state championships, um, we started really having a belief that we could compete with those Denver teams. And I think after that, we really started um, increasing our confidence and um, started knowing that we could actually take a state championship. And we started doing that. Wendy Caldwell with us today, who is a uh, first team, all uh, league selection along with Lisa Aldred and, and Kathy Holthus uh, back in that 82 season. And coach Meyer also coached the volleyball team. And, and a lot of the, the basketball players were also volleyball players for him. And he talked mm-hmm. about that, Wendy, how, how that really helped because he, he knew the players, he knew your strengths and weaknesses as athletes and, and as individuals. And that, and there was also the, the everybody knew each other, uh, as you mentioned, playing all the way back to your, you know, your junior high days, that uh, the, the coach Meyer already going into basketball season knew what each player kind of brought to the table, even though it was switching over to a different sport. Yeah, we really did. We competed in a lot of sports. We played um, softball in the summer, and we played volleyball, and we played basketball. And I think um, we just really um, developed that team effort. We really um, knew each other really well on and off the field and on and off the court. And um, we just had that camaraderie, um, all of us working together. And I think um, in team sports, that's what it takes, is everybody working together towards that, that goal of winning. Mentioned that uh, Fruita went 17 and one the regular season, 22 and one uh, to win the state championship, beat Cheyenne Mountain uh, 59 to 44. And um, Lisa Aldridge, she's going in as an individual. She was an incredible volleyball player and basketball player uh, in that state championship game. She had 25 points, 15 rebounds. So when you, when you have a, a player like that, uh, six foot tall post player, and, and being a six footer back in in the early 80s uh, in girls basketball was a what was a, a, an impressive thing to have a player that size, though I know you played teams that had uh, certainly you know more than than one you know one six foot player on their team, Wendy. But but having a player like Lisa Aldred uh, had to be just uh, you know certainly somebody inside that, that gave your team a, an, an edge when it came to interior play, both on the offensive and defensive side. Yeah, Lisa was a really excellent player, and we really. Um, she was really great on the inside. I really believe our whole team was so well-rounded, though. Um, we were up and down the court really quickly. We'd get off the um, um, on the rebound. We'd get off off the rebound and down the floor really, really quickly, which made our team really, really strong. And then you add Lisa um, inside um, on those inside shots, and it just created a really, really well-rounded team. Now we have to talk about the game though in the state tournament, where uh, you really answered the bell. Uh, that was the St. Mary's game, St. Mary's Academy of Inglewood, uh, and you beat them seventy to sixty-one. You had thirty-four points in that game, and it was that was one point shy of the state tournament scoring record. You also had sixteen rebounds, ten of eleven from the foul line. Did you drive the the vans there, Wendy? Did did you wash everybody's uniforms after the game? I mean, you did a little bit of everything. <laughs> you did a little bit of everything in that win against St. Mary's. 
it's just really interesting. I mean, some days you have really good games, and sometimes you're on, and sometimes you're not. And, um, you know, that's what was great about our team is, you know, when somebody, like you said, when when we were injured, other people, other girls um, stepped up to the plate. Um, and um, when somebody had not so good a game, someone else stepped up. And that's what made our team so well-rounded is we just really supported one another in that team spirit. Do you still keep in contact with some of your former teammates? I do. Um, I do. I, I talk to um, a couple people here and there, um, but not as much as I'd like to. Now, for you, what are you doing these days, Wendy? Well, I taught school and I was coaching as well. And now I'm doing, um, I have my own counseling agency up and going with Springs, Colorado. Well, fantastic. Well, I appreciate And before we go, oh, can so I go, just say one thing? Ahead. Absolutely. Um, I would just like to um, send my prayers to the Cates family um, today. I just um, want them to know that they were such a foundation of Fruita Monument High School, um, and I just want to send my prayers to that family and let them know that we're all um, thinking and praying for them. Of course, Bob Cates uh, will be inducted into the, the Hall of Fame as well, former Fruita Monument yes. Boys basketball coach. He was a assistant commissioner for Chassa for many years, and and I've been communicating with, with his wife, Linda. Uh, so, yes. I mean, I know that the Bob is... Uh, uh, in a coma right now, and um, and so certainly our thoughts and our prayers go out to the Cates Absolutely. family uh, for, yeah. for for what uh, they're going through right now. But uh, Bob Cates, an incredible uh, educator, incredible coach as well, and, and his love of uh, obviously high school athletics continued with his work with Chassa, but certainly our, our prayers go out to the Cates family uh, during this yeah. period of time. Well, Wendy, I appreciate, yes. uh, appreciate you coming on to talk about the 82 team for a few minutes with us this morning. And, uh, of course, uh, the 82 team will go in next Friday, uh, February 2nd, when Fruita Monument takes on uh, the Central Warriors out at Fruita Monument High School. And uh, coming up next, our Tom Reed, uh, the, the All-State quarterback from the 70s, will uh, also join us in the program. He'll be going to the Wildcat Hall of Fame as well. Wendy, I appreciate the time. Thank you so much. Okay, thank you so much. All right, take Bye-bye. care. Wendy Caldwell of the uh, Fruita Monument 82 State Championship Girls Basketball Team. All right, so, uh, yes, our... Certainly, our prayers go out to, to Bob Cates and and his wife Linda. Linda was uh, my uh, media teacher in high school. We used to have the the media classes and radio and TV classes, and she uh, played a huge role in in me getting into this industry, encouraging me to uh, to pursue to pursue a mass com journey, if you will. I, w- so. I was going to make a joke, but I, I well, I was I was going to say, oh, so it's her fault, but. <laughs> I, yeah, I, this is Kate's uh, the one to blame. She's like, you know, I think you might, you might not totally suck at this. You might give it a shot. <laughs> um, but so, yeah, but she, uh, you got a spunk, kid. <laughs> hey, you got some moxie there, lad. You might get behind the microphone and make yourself a shackle or two. <laughs> you might maybe, maybe make a living out of this whole thing. There you go. Yeah. No, uh, but uh, yeah, Bob's just uh, just a wonderful guy, and just uh, really hate to hear what uh, what they're going through right now. Uh, with him in such poor health. All right, 838, Jim along with Cake and uh, Connor McGahee coming up in just a moment. So uh, we'll take a break. And uh, once again, it's Wine About a Wednesday with Talon Wine. But also today, you know, you might end up with a bottle of Talon Wine, not for a wine, but for a really great Todd Helton memory. Ooh, yes. Yeah. That would be really good. Uh, Send it our way, 970-242-1340. But you also could get one for a wine because Dylan's got one. Oh, uh, want to whine about driving back from Montrose yesterday and to the guy going 90 passing everyone. Maybe you should get back in the right lane 
don't cut everybody off, including me. What an idiot. Ugh. Let's see. Sorry, Dylan. Sorry, I had to go through that. Got my, let's see, going from Mountain Dave. Good morning, guys. I listened to those games that Larry Zimmer called. He was he was as good as as what he's did as, as anyone did in the business. While Bob Martin was pretty good, I always thought that Zimmer was the guy that made the difference for them. And that tribute tape was so much fun. Thanks, guys. Absolutely. Uh, you read my text, but no mention of Kaz's hiccups. Felt bad for him, but flipping hilarious. Because didn't get a chance to listen to the game because we had we were, we, 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 were, we were working last night. We were occupied. We were working last night. You were at Central. I was at Fruita Monument. Although I have not doing sports, but doing uh, my other show on our sister station, I had hiccups. Nightmare. <laughs> It's a waking nightmare for any broadcast. Never good. And uh, going from Butchie. Saw Butchie across the floor last night. He was out watching his daughter live, the, the place for Fertile Monument. Uh, one thing that hinders Todd Helton is the position he plays. For some reason, first basemen have a harder time getting elected than other positions. Players like Todd Helton, Will Clark, and Don Mattingly were much more of a, an impact force in the game that multiple elected players than multiple elected players over the past five to ten years. Yeah, I, I think everybody thinks, well, first baseman, you stand there and catch the ball. Just just stand there. Uh, anybody that's ever played first base knows that. It is not that easy. Uh, you got to got to pick a lot of bad balls, hot shot ground balls to first base. you got left-handed hitters that pull the ball. Um, yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not as easy as people think. And, and Todd Helton made it, made it look effortlessly at first base and along with you know being a position where you're required to deliver some power numbers you now it's some butchie some good points there butchie he also yeah. has one a uh, great start for the fruit monument high school basketball uh, for high school basketball boys and girls were combined 30 and 2 they are it's pretty good the boys uh, rolling off their 17th straight win last night and that one against montrose all right, uh, 8.40, we'll take a break. And coming up next, Connor McGahee, voice of the Avalanche, will join us on the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network. It's a good show. Probably the best show around. The Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader, the team. Talking Avalanche hockey with the voice of the Avs, Connor McGahee on the team. <laughs> He's the radio voice of the Avalanche. He'll have the call tonight on the team. And the Avs take on Alexander Ovechkin and the Washington Capitals at Ball Arena. Connor McGay joins us. Connor, appreciate the time. How you doing? Morning, team. Morning, Jimmy. How is uh, how is everybody today? We are well. Cake, you well? You doing good? I'm a little sleepy. I'm not okay. going to lie. Okay. But... Cake's, a, Cake's a little tired. We had uh, high school basketball last night, Connor. So a little Cake's dragging a little bit. I'm, I'm oh, okay. you guys, you guys going to make it? You going to be okay? Oh, oh. <laughs> Connor, I have the reputation here of being uh, a little um, not a morning person working on a morning show. No, I, I, it's not that I'm not a morning person. It's that by about one o'clock, two o'clock, I'm ready for a nap, and also uh, yeah. may be taking a nap. And people have caught pictures of me doing so. Connor has no. <laughs> yeah, we, we have. He is the afternoon snooze. That is a nickname that he has. The afternoon snooze. Tired Franson. That's, That's awesome. Tired, tired Franson. Yeah, and it's another one. Yes. Uh, Elton Yawn. I'm going to yeah, El- Elton Yawns. I think Elton Yawn might be my favorite. I love Elton Yawn. <laughs> That's Yon. my favorite. That's my favorite, yeah. too. Yeah. Uh, you gotta, but, Jake, you got to wear it like a badge of honor. Exactly. He completely does. lean into it now. Man, you uh, can't, you know. Fran- Franzen Connor's a man of a thousand nicknames. He's got a ton of them. 
A lot of them coming from our colleague Rio, who's on vacation yeah. this week. Yeah, he's he's given you quite a few of those. But yeah, Connor, I don't think has a whole lot of sympathy for you driving out to Central High School or me driving to Fruta, where Connor has to has gone to places like Finland <laughs> and. <laughs> Boston, yeah, right. Yeah, Canada. Uh, you know, the two, weeks, two weeks away from home, and from the from the North Pole. You know, yeah. but you guys, you know, you handle your whatever you got to do. Oh, you, oh, we have to go across town at a high school gymnasium. Oh, poor thing. Yeah, living in Grand Junction, where the traffic's nothing like it is in Denver. Meanwhile, we can, we can get anywhere in about eight minutes if we really want to. Meanwhile, I'm waiting for Mark Mosier because he lost his passport at his house. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, did you did you crack did you crack Mo, on Moj a little bit about me having to send his uh, debit card to him? You know, I I haven't yet. Okay, good. Please do if you I get a chance. I'm, I'm. I will. Okay, I'm please do, it. Connor. You're all you're all over it, and you're all over tonight's game. Avalanche and Capitals. Ovechkin comes nice in. Yeah, thank you. That's uh, why they pay me the minimum wage dollars that I earn here <laughs> at the radio station. Um, <laughs> but. Arturi Lekkinen is expected back. While well, we're still waiting to see what happens with Valeri Nachushkin um, going through what he's going through right now, uh, Lekkinen expected back on the ice tonight. How big of a lift will that be for Colorado? Yeah, huge lift. And Bo Byram as well. Byram will yeah. be back too for uh, for Colorado. So, um, yeah, I mean, Lekkinen is one of those guys like Val. And we've talked about this before where he plays – uh, in all situations, five on five, power play, penalty kill. And those guys are invaluable to your lineup. I mean, just see the emergence, uh, really, of the entire Roaring Twenties line, really, the past couple weeks, because they've been put in those situations. They're playing in all three facets of the game. Um, but Lekkonen is so good in all those situations. It's been a, been a big miss. I mean, the Avalanche... Still, you know, and Jared Bednar talks about breaking the schedule down into 10-game segments. And pretty much in every segment except one, they've been at least 7-3 and three or better. They, they, they had one segment uh, the second of the year. They were 4-4-2. Four, four, and two. But even without some guys, they've been able to, to hang on and get wins. And in a lot of times, uh, tough situations. So, um, Lexington back is is fantastic. Bill Byram as well. And so, in the words of Jake Blues, we're putting the band back together. Oh, I gotta love that. You gotta love that. Connor McKay, Radio Voice of the Avalanche with us today on the team. Uh, assistant coach Nolan Pratt spoke to the media yesterday. Uh, Jared Bednar did not. He was not there for personal reasons. Will Coach Bednar be on the bench tonight for the Capitals game? Yeah, he was on his uh, morning show on our flight this morning. Um, everything's good. So Good, good to hear that. Um, yeah, so don't uh, go back to your lives, citizen. <laughs> Nothing to see here. <laughs> Nothing to see here. <laughs> He'll be on the bench tonight uh, looking as dapper as ever, uh, coaching the Avalanche. So it's infuriating, really. Oh, yeah. It's, it, it's yeah. It, the, the hair is always magnificent, and I, I, I would kill to have Jared Bednar hair. I really yeah, it's it's too long though for me now. It's getting to be too long. Oh, see, I and I, need a, my wife would perfectly. Would she love it if my hair was that length? She would love it if I could grow my hair that length. She would. She'd be thrilled. She would be thrilled. Uh, well, c'est la vie. But it's not going to happen. Trust me. Nope. <laughs> she knows that. It's just not going to happen. Uh, how about Logan O'Connor? First hat trick against the Flyers. Uh, playing uh, you know, obviously uh, playing a really high level against uh, Philadelphia on Saturday. Yeah, and he has as many points this month as he did October through December. 
11 points in January, 11 points then. He now leads the team in plus-minus, which tells you um, that he's one of the most reliable forwards that the Avalanche have. So, And it's nice for him because he's shaking this. Um, speaking of nicknames, I mean, you give him whatever you want, but Streaky has always come as a descriptor across for him because he'd, he'd score three games in a row like he did earlier in the season shorthanded, and then he literally went 27 games without scoring. And so for him to get some consistency in the offensive production, that's a good thing. And even in the absence of Hilarion Chushkin, Jared Bednar uh, put the Roaring Twenties line back together and made them the second line. And they have really uh, just shined, really, in the past 10 days, uh, ever since the return of Miles Wood after he was out with with a, a pretty tough illness there. So, um, but Logan O'Connor, obviously on the ice at the same time as Nathan McKinnon, um, two possible hat tricks and, and what a play by Nathan McKinnon to, to give it up and knowing the situation and knowing that, uh, that OC has never had an NHL hat trick. Now he does, um, was just, that's what leaders do. And so, uh, O'Connor is as confident as they come right now. And, uh, like I said, he's benefiting from playing, really, in all situations. Avalanche Radio Voice, Connor McGahey with us today on the Team Sports Network. We'll have the call, the Avalanche hosting Washington uh, tonight at Ball Arena, pregame at 7 o'clock for that one. And you mentioned the band getting back together with uh, Bowen Byram, Arturi Lekkonen back for the Avalanche. But they'll also get to see a, a beloved figure in Colorado, Darcy Kemper, Caps goalie. Uh, Darcy uh, coming into town with the Caps tonight. He played last night in Minnesota. And so I don't think that he will actually play tonight. Uh, I think it will be Charlie Lindgren, which numbers-wise may not be good for the Avalanche. Um, save percentage much better than, than Darcy. Goes against much better than Darcy. So uh, I think from Spencer Carberry, uh, the head coach of Washington, that was on purpose. Lindgren actually playing better hockey right now. So instead of a revenge game, he's going with the goalie. With the better numbers, Lindgren has actually never played the abs in, in almost 80 games in the National Hockey League. So uh, it will be interesting tonight. But you're right. Um, you know, last year obviously was the first year that uh, that he had been with Washington. The Avalanche won both of those games, both here and in D.C. Um, but uh, it's always funny with the championship. You remember everything. You remember every player, every person. And, and Darcy Kemper is, is always going to be uh, a Stanley Cup champion with the Colorado Avalanche. So uh, even though he's on the wrong side of the bench now, um, it'll it'll always be good to see uh, a good guy like Darcy Kemper. Of course, uh, the guy that leads away, Alexander Ovechkin, uh, he'll be a you know, he's a certified Hall of Famer. Uh, he'll go in the, the moment he's retired, practically. Um, Ovechkin, sixty four goals away from tying Wayne Gretzky's record on the NHL career goals list. Uh, Currently holding the second spot with 830. He's 38. Does Ovechkin play long enough to get clo- anywhere close to Gretzky? I mean, even within 10, 15 goals of that. I, I don't I don't know if he plays long enough, Connor. I don't know. I, yeah, I'm kind of with you now. Because even at the end of last season, he goes on a tear. And every, everyone said, okay, well, he can, you know, just a couple seasons, um, you know, he can get there and chip away. But that's that's basically banking on the fact that he, every year that he's playing, he's getting 30 goals. And right now eight has eight. Uh, And that's, 
It's not exactly the type of offensive production that, that you expect out of Alexander Ovechkin, especially on the power play, which for Washington isn't great right now. Ovi, and I'm not trying for this to be the kiss of death, but he has zero goals in the last seven games overall. Um, and so those are the type of streaks that we're not used to um, from one of the greatest goal scorers of all time. But I think the tone of the conversation has changed from last year to, to this year. But they said, okay, maybe there's a chance, but now I think it's swung back in the direction of, okay, the great one's record uh, probably uh, will be safe uh, from, from Alexander Ovechkin. So uh, we will see, but he, he can't get there on, on the pace that he's on right now. Do you think that record will ever fall? Boy, I mean, now with the type of, of players that we get, basically, I mean, you they're touting superstars, really, as, as, you know, top five picks almost every year. Uh, I mean, it feels like in the National Hockey League with the, I know the, the shine is worn off of, of Trevor Zegras in Anaheim, but obviously Connor Bedard, Connor McDavid um, is, is, is one of those that, that maybe could get there because it feels like every night is a three or four point night for him. Um, but it's, it, it's all about longevity. And I think that nowadays with rest and recovery and nutrition and science applied to the body and the dedication from the athletes to take care of themselves, their careers, even playing at the high level that they are at, will extend. And I think that longevity could open the door um, with that type of production uh, to have it being beat. So um, uh, it's... It's going to be a fascinating thing to watch as the NHL ages over the next really two decades to see if any of the young talent that's infused into it now and and really for the past ten years can can get anywhere close to that record. I I just think that um, it is such a lofty goal, but I, I again things are different now than they were when when Gretzky played as far as off the ice goes, and that may be the key to to how the record could fall. Connor McGahee with us today on the team. Connor got about 60 seconds left. Uh, Patrick Waugh back in the NHL. Now uh, the guy guiding the New York Islanders. Give me your, your take on, on Patrick Waugh back in the NHL. We were waiting on the elevator at Wells Fargo Center in Philadelphia to go down to the bus. And everyone just sort of, you know, the, the elevator takes about nine and a half years to get to the top level. And so we were sitting around and everyone's, you know, starts to, to you know, scroll and, and look at stuff and, and, it was just a collective gaps like, wait, what? It, it was very strange news uh, to see with with that team and that management, everyone sort of scratching their heads that, okay, why now and why the Islanders? Um, but, yeah, Waugh, after a 10-year absence back in the National Hockey League and uh, really did the avalanche a favor in his first game beating the Stars uh, in overtime to get it. But uh, I'm interested to see, uh, especially a team like the Islanders, um, who's almost gotten there, you know, an Eastern Conference final. They've been one of those teams who have been on the precipice. Uh, they've had some great coaches, and I don't know if that's really been the reason that they haven't gotten there, but we'll, we'll see what uh, Patrick Waugh, NHL coach version 2.0, does on the island. At least he hasn't knocked down a partition yet. Not yet, anyway. No. Um, yeah, it, what, a, what a night that was. Nathan McKinnon's <laughs> NHL debut. He gets two assists. Both to Jamie McGinn, 
and Bruce Boudreaux and, and Patrick Wall almost kill each other. Um, and, and I was right there for the whole thing. What a time to be alive. What a time to be alive. And Connor will have the call tonight. Abs Capital, 7 o'clock tonight on the team. Connor, always appreciate it, my friend. Bless you guys. Thank you. All right, take care. Connor McGahee. You'll hear him tonight right here on the Team Sports Network. All right, we'll take a break and come back with Hour 3 on the Team Sports Network online at theteam1340.com.